And uh, we're going to Weatherby today, incidentally, too, just saying. Uh, so we have some excitement uh, there. Um, but I enjoyed it because I got to do a, a Bible study with an, an elderly Inuit man there, um, and I called him Uncle Job. And every time that we would open up the Bible, Uncle Job was so excited um, to share these stories that he'd learned from his parents and, and how they connected in with the, the Bible and how the, uh, the Holy Spirit had been working in his people even before Jesus was proclaimed there. And even so much so that there were, there were dreams and visions um, that the, the shaman and other people were having just before the missionaries got there. So the Holy Spirit was preparing the ground. And even, even after so many years, Uncle Joe was just so excited about the gospel, so excited about the work that the Holy Spirit was doing there. And, and I wanted some of that excitement too. I wanted, see, the Holy Spirit had, had rocked Uncle Job's world, and I wanted to see that in my own life, in my own world, too. To look back at the way things were when he was young, I wanted that as a young man as well. And honestly, I still want that. I think that all of us really want to see the Holy Spirit come and shake things up, especially when things aren't going the way that we'd like them to. Last night, I was... Uh, we woke up about 1.30 and our daughter was having trouble breathing and um, my wife had to take her into the ER and, and as I was sitting there with our other kids who were all sick too, um, just praying and, and asking the Holy Spirit to come and intervene in a, a supernatural way. You know, we have a son who has uh, um, allergies that just, they prevent him from being, doing a lot of the things that I remember doing when I was his age. I want the Holy Spirit to be active there. And maybe as we, we look around at our, our community, too, as we consider um, maybe even our government, um, it seems like they're, they're out of touch sometimes with, with what needs to be done. That Our culture seems to be hell-bent on moral decline. I want the Holy Spirit to rock this world. And today I want to introduce you to someone who, who felt that pain as well. Um, Isaiah was a prophet um, in the 8th century um, B.C. So before Christ, um, Isaiah, he was, uh, you know, pretty average Joe. He had a wife and two kids. Um, every day he went to work, he wore his, his uniform as a prophet. That was, uh, well, I guess maybe it was a little different. As a prophet, he had a, a loinskin um, that was goat hair, which I don't think is very comfortable. I don't think that fashion statement's going to come back anytime soon. Uh, but that, that's what Isaiah wore. And uh, as he, he went in, and um, a big part of his job ended up being um, talking against King Ahaz at the time. And King Ahaz um, was, uh, well, he was spending a lot of money that the country of Israel didn't have. He was uh, investing a, a lot of that money into impressing um, other rulers who weren't really all that trustworthy. 
And uh, to, to top things off for Isaiah, God had given him a prophecy, and Isaiah understood that, that not only was what Ahaz doing not very wise, but that in the end that it would be Israel's ruin and that there would be only a remnant left, not even a remnant, at the most a remnant of Israel left. And, and so Isaiah even named his sons after this remnant. And I, I can't help but imagine that, that as he named them after the remnant that, that he hoped and prayed that they would be a part of what would survive of Israel. And so Isaiah wanted to see the Holy Spirit rock his world in a very real way, and, and God gave him a prophecy that, that just that would happen. And so today, in just a moment, we're going to be reading um, Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, and we're going to take a look at how the Holy Spirit was going to come in and rock Isaiah's world. Um, before, we, uh, before we get there, though, I'd like to pray, if we could. Dear Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for your word. Um, Lord, we, we want you to, to rock our world. We, we seek connection with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and we seek your presence. And we pray that, uh, that even now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would give us uh, wisdom and discernment to, to understand your word, to understand your truth, and to live that out, Lord. Amen. Um, so again, turn to Isaiah 11, chapter, or verse 1 through 5. And so the prophecy that I, Isaiah received, the hope that he held out, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. So you need to know that that stump of Jesse is referring to the, the kings of Judah um, that were descendants of David. And so that includes this king Ahaz that Isaiah is not too fond of. Uh, but it's also where the hope is going to come from. So God is working with, with some broken goods here, so to speak. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This, this shoot from the stump of Jesse, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. It's not just going to come and go, but it's going to be a place where God's Spirit rests. It's a Spirit, and here we get the personality and the purpose of the Spirit the description of the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit of wisdom and understanding. The word wisdom here is a, uh, a word that indicates daily wisdom, understanding or wisdom of, of how to live your life as you go in day in and day out. Understanding um, is, can be contrasted from wisdom as a way that we handle those problems of daily wisdom, living to see beyond those problems, those details of a particular situation and make an appropriate assessment to come to a good conclusion about what we need to do in those situations. So wisdom helps us to live our daily life. Understanding helps us to see beyond it. The spirit of counsel and might. We'll get into this in a, in a bit. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Fear is a way that we don't really talk about God a lot anymore, I think. Not as much as we used to. Um, we talk about loving God. But the beginning of that is actually in, in fearing God. And uh, the word can also be translated respect. Um, but uh, neither word really does, does this justice. And I think we see that in the next verse here as we continue on into uh, to verse 3. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So on one hand, we have terror, and Jesus even tells us that we should be afraid of God. God, who has the power 
to judge us for our sins, we who are, are not perfect and who are deserving eternal punishment, we should be terrified of who God is. As we get to know more about him, God is terrifying. And yet, here we see that as the Spirit of God rests on this shoot from the stump of Jesse, as the Spirit of God rests, that it gives him delight in that fear, delight in that knowledge of who God is. In some translations, delight is actually translated as breathe, that he breathes in the fear of the Lord. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of delight in a, in a breath. Um, maybe here, a lot of people have probably grown up by the sea, and you get that, that sea breeze, and as you, you breathe that in, maybe especially on a nice, cool day, and you just you remember so much of, of your youth and so much of, of the happiness, the sunshine that we're going to get to soon, as Steve promised for me. Um, it's beautiful, and it fills you with life. For me, I grew up in the Midwest, and we had seagulls, but we didn't have the sea. And so, actually, the smell that, that does that for me is it's kind of embarrassing, manure. <laughs> so that rich, earthy smell, and, and I, we were in the Midwest recently and, and just breathing that in, and that's home, and, and there's strength, and there's life in that. So if I can delight in manure, certainly we can delight in knowing who God is. It should fill us with life, even though we have every reason to be afraid. So we continue on in, in verse 3 here. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity the meek of the earth. The, the meek of the earth are those, the, those people who are too weak or too timid to speak up for themselves. The people who don't have a voice in this world, those are the people that he's going to give a voice. He's going to speak for them on their behalf. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. His words have power. They shake the foundations of the world. They, they rock the world. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. So if you go back to that picture of Isaiah, that's what he's wearing. Righteousness and faithfulness in the Spirit of God. And so as we look at this passage, this is what Isaiah was looking at. His country, his world was falling apart, and his hope was in the Spirit of God resting on one man here. A prophecy that was actually, at least in part, fulfilled as we see Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, come up and he is a man who tries to pattern his life after God. And, and there is a portion of the Spirit of God that does come and rest on him. But he falls into a lot of the same failures that his father did. And, and he shows off his wealth to people he shouldn't. And ultimately, even though there is a reprieve, the kingdom still falls. Just as God has prophesied through Isaiah. But this passage here, this prophecy, is something that continued to hold out hope for the Jewish people, even after Hezekiah's failure, even after the kingdom fell apart, even after they were reduced to a remnant. In fact, it's still something that we, can, we look at with hope because this is a prophecy about the Messiah. This is a prophecy about 
Not just a person, but about Jesus. Jesus fulfills this passage perfectly. The Spirit of God has rested upon him. And so if we want to see what it looks like to live with the Spirit of God resting on you, we can look at no better example than Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and turn um, again. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, we've been connecting with Jesus um, in the last two sermons, and so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but I do want to, uh, to draw attention to something that Jesus said as he, um, after he was resurrected and as he was returning to the Father. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So Jesus here is speaking to his followers, the, the people that he's, he's leaving here, but he's not leaving them alone. He's leaving them with that same resting of the Holy Spirit that we see in Isaiah chapter 11, 1 through 5. You see, this describes Jesus, but it also describes you and me inasmuch as we are followers of Jesus. And I think that it's important to note, too, that there's a, a big contrast here in the idea between how um, the Jewish people saw inspiration, uh, especially here in this passage, and how um, everyone else in, in the pagan mindset saw inspiration. In the, in the Greco-Roman traditions, in Greece and Rome, um, God supposedly spoke through oracles. And when this happened, there was a suspension of the intellect. The mind basically was shut off, and there were these words that came forth. And we do see some examples of that in the Old and New Testaments. But primarily, when God speaks, he doesn't speak through a conduit, but he speaks through a vessel. When God puts his knowledge, his wisdom, his understanding into a person, he does so into that person's intellect, into the, the image of God that God has created in that person, and out of that person comes the inspired word of God. Out of that person become, comes the, the truth that God seeks not only to proclaim, but to live out in this world. Righteous judgment for the poor and the weak. Hope for tomorrow. And as I was preparing for the, uh, for the sermon, I, I really struggled with how do we then get, I mean, Jesus is Jesus, right? Fully man, but also fully God. There's something pretty super about that. And how do we make this transition from understanding this as a messianic prophecy and seeing how the Spirit might rest upon us. And so I've got a couple of stories that, that kind of bring this down to earth in, in my own life. Uh, one is, is right after I'd gotten to Alaska, a young guy, um, my apologies to any 18-year-olds here, but uh, as an 18-year-old, I didn't have a lot of my own wisdom. I didn't have a lot of experience. And I was helping out at a soup kitchen uh, pretty regularly. Um, and there was a, a gentleman that would come there 
his name was Norbert, and uh, he'd come there, and, and some days he was there to help. And he was an awesome cook. He could make uh, baked salmon, he could make soup. Whatever we had, he could make something wonderful out of it. That was about half the time, and the other half of the time he came drunk. And he was a part of the problem that we had to deal with, an obstacle that we had to get around. One of his good days, I was talking to him after the soup kitchen, and, and he said, he was telling me about his toe that he'd just lost. I, he'd been sleeping in snowbanks, and uh, I, I just immediately I said, well, you, you should, I, I've, I've got a warm house, you know, that, that's a, a place, don't, don't sleep in the snowbanks, you're going to lose another toe. And immediately after I said that, well, actually, it was probably immediately after he said, oh, really? That I realized what I was committing myself to. And I realized it probably wasn't the best idea. And so my immediate reaction was, you know, how can I get out of this? How can I save face? And, and so, you know, I was living at the time, and it was a, a friend had remodeled a shed behind his house, and it was a very nice shed. Um, but, you know, I, I had a bucket for a sink, and there was another bucket in the closet for, you know, other plumbing purposes. And uh, it wasn't a lot that I had to offer. So, you know, I mean, I, but it was more than he had. And, and so my, my inclination was to, you know, soft sell it, make sure that he understood it wasn't going to be much. Um, but as I looked at him, the Holy Spirit did two things for me there. One, he, he gave me some, some wisdom and some understanding that, that I'd promised more than I could give. And so I, I said to him, I said, you know, I, I need to check with my landlord. But I, I knew that my landlord was going to be all right with it, that we'd be able to work something out. And the second thing that I noticed as I, I gained understanding of, of who Norbert was, I looked at him and I knew that he was a man who was, was passionate about Jesus, even as he struggled. Even as Norbert had, had this struggled with alcoholism, he wanted to step away from it. And he needed some presence. He needed a chance to do that. And so I went to my friend, who was also my landlord, and, and he'd been walking with, with the Lord quite a bit longer than I had. Uh, he, was, he was a good 20 years older than I was at the time. So he had a lot of accumulated wisdom as well. And uh, he had a lot of, of knowledge of, of how we could deal with this situation. And, and we were able to, to set out uh, guidelines um, that, you know, you, you can stay here. You have a place here. You have a home here, even. But you've got to stay sober. And uh, that went well for, for a couple of months. And then he fell off the wagon again. And it was not just a little stumble, but it was like full-fledged. He was an angry drunk. I came home, and, and he was yelling at me. And thankfully, well, my friend came home at about the same time. And again, to see my friend, how he responded in not just wisdom, but also in understanding of this man who was, who was angry and yelling at us and cursing us and cursing Jesus even. It wasn't the man that we'd known, but it was the ability to look beyond that into the man that God knew that really helped us in that situation. And so he did have to move. But several months later, I heard through another friend that, that he had moved actually out of that whole community. And, and Nome on the Seward Peninsula is a town of about 3,000 with over 30 bars. So it's not a good place to be an alcoholic. And he'd moved out of that situation. He'd gone to be with some of his kids, and, and he'd really gotten his life back together. He was sober 
at that point for several months. And just amazing news, amazing news about how the Holy Spirit had worked things out. It wasn't something that we had done, but it was something that the Holy Spirit had made possible through what we were doing. When the Holy Spirit shows up, he's going to rock your world in ways that aren't always comfortable. Um, but he's going to make a difference. And it's not always about the special effects either. It's not always about uh, the supernatural things. What was really miraculous, and, and as Uncle Job would tell me about all these things um, that were happening when the missionaries first came, he was excited, but it wasn't about the dreams and the visions. It wasn't about the supernatural things. It was about the difference that the Holy Spirit had made in his life, had made in his parents' lives, had made in his community. See, the Holy Spirit came, and it didn't rock his world because of a fancy light show. It didn't rock his world because of, of healings or, or anything like that. It rocked his world because of these qualities that the Holy Spirit brought with him into people's lives, into people's homes and families and community. So as we look at, at what it looks like to live with wisdom and understanding and even counsel as we go through difficult things in life, to know that God has presence there with us. Another example that I have is, is actually from this week as I was preparing for the sermon. Um, my son Isaiah, no relation to the prophet, um, you know, just happens to be the same name. Um, Isaiah, he, he was having a difficult, well, he's been having a difficult week. He was sick, wasn't feeling real well. And I don't, maybe your kids have done this too. Maybe, maybe not though. He, he saw something in the closet and it was really scaring him. He didn't, didn't want the lights off in the room. And of course his brother did want the lights off. Maybe you've imagined or seen this before. And he told me there's two wolves that are hiding in the closet. You know, I, I go and I, I stand in the closet and, uh, you know, look, Ike, there's, there's nothing here. Uh, get back out of the closet. See, it's just in your head. That wasn't doing it. Becca spent some time with him. I went back and, and was working on my, my study for a bit and came back up and he was still scared of the closet. We, we couldn't work out the light situation. And so if I say, well, well yeah, I come with some knowledge here. There's power in the name of Jesus. You know, Ike, if you just... Say this with me. Speak Jesus' power into the darkness here. Jesus, you have power. You have victory over sin and death. Jesus, you have power over the darkness. He was still scared. <laughs> and and I, he knew that Jesus had power over the darkness. Well, the Holy Spirit allowed me to see, to understand, was that I couldn't see that He could know it, but he wasn't seeing it, and he needed somebody to demonstrate it. And even as I was getting frustrated with Ike, and I wasn't being a very good father, I could see what God saw in my son, that God saw a boy who needed the presence of God's power, not just a name, not just knowledge. And so I sat down, and imperfect as I am, I sat there and I represented Jesus' love. Jesus' presence, Jesus' power. And within 30 seconds, my son was asleep. Yeah. And so when, when we get serious about connecting with the Holy Spirit, things change. Things get shaken up. 
And, and I feel like maybe there should be a warning label on the Bible, or maybe, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, as a part of his calling to us, could say, you know, um, you know, we're, we're uh, maybe like a pilot uh, on the plane when you're, you're going to experience some turbulence. You know, he says, excuse me, this is your captain speaking. Could you please uh, sit back down and buckle your seatbelts? There's going to be some turbulence. I think that maybe the Holy Spirit should say something like that to us because things aren't going to stay the same. Things are going to get a little messy. When we change the way that we see the world and we lay aside the things that we see and we put on instead God's vision of things, when we understand things through God's wisdom, through the knowledge of who God is, everything looks different. And so as the Holy Spirit is calling to us, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is, is not just calling, this isn't just about something for believers, but that the Holy Spirit is active in each of our lives. In fact, even, uh, even back in, in uh, the first century, there was a Roman statesman named Seneca who uh, wrote one of his letters dedicated to the sacred spirit or the Holy Spirit that indwells within us one who marks good and bad deeds and is our guardian. So this is something that the Holy Spirit is calling each of us to be accountable to who God is, to understand that God has established a right and a wrong. And so maybe as you're sitting here, maybe, maybe you haven't made a decision yet for Christ, but you've still felt the Holy Spirit working in your life. You've still felt the Holy Spirit's call on you. Maybe you're struggling as a non-Christian or as a Christian with an improper relationship. Maybe you're in need to, to overhaul the way you're, you're thinking about others. Maybe you're dealing with, like my friend, addiction to drugs or alcohol. Maybe it's pornography. Is, he, is the Holy Spirit bringing to light frustrations and pains that you're dealing with that you've allowed to fester and become bitterness, even resentment? Are you ready to really struggle with what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do? Are you ready to respond to the Holy Spirit? And it's not going to be easy. There's going to be times that we wrestle with what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do, where it's going to be uncomfortable. And that's good. That means we're working at laying aside our vision and replacing it with God's vision. You have an opportunity to redefine your relationships with others on God's terms. Do you have an opportunity here to lay aside addiction? Maybe God's calling you from resentment and bitterness to forgiveness and freedom. It's not always easy. But Jesus promises that the yoke is light. Because Jesus, when he left, he didn't leave us alone. He left us with the Holy Spirit, with a connection to God through the Holy Spirit, through the breath of God. We are still in communion with him and we can still have help as we go through life. Wisdom for our daily living. Understanding of the things that go beyond the details. 
not in our vision, but in God's vision, we have access to a, a wise counselor. A counselor who's, who's not just somebody who, who gives us good advice, but also understands our emotions, our failures, our struggles. We have knowledge of who God is. Fearful knowledge. But we also have this miraculous ability to take that fear and understand it as delight. And as we embrace God's vision of the world around us, we have an opportunity and a responsibility to live that out, to advocate for righteousness for the poor, to be a voice for those who are weak. We have an opportunity, but we also have a responsibility. And we have a helper, who's the Holy Spirit. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for today, and, and we pray that you would give us um, strength, that you would help us to connect with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Dear Lord, I pray that, that even as we, as we hold out um, for the supernatural, Lord, that, that you would help us not to become distracted from seeing the miraculous, the miraculous things that you are doing in our hearts, the miraculous things that you have called us to be in our families, in our communities, Lord. Lord, even as, as your spirit has rested upon your son, Lord, we pray that you would make it so with us as well, that we might follow in Christ's footsteps. That just as Jesus and the spirit have rocked the world to its foundations in the first century, Lord, that we might live today here in White Rock, in Surrey, Dear Lord, we pray for wisdom. We pray for understanding. We pray for knowledge and for fear of you. Give us delight and help us to wear righteousness and faithfulness. Amen.